0: It was 1773 when John Newton wrote the famous hymn, Amazing Grace. While this song was created to illustrate a New Year's Day sermon, it's since become one of the best known, most loved hymns of all time. One reason why? Well, it's because the lyrics of this simple song present us with those encouraging truths that help us to understand how the grace of God has not only been extended to wretched sinners like us, but this famous hymn also reminds us of the way that those who were once lost have now been found, and those who were spiritually blind are now able to see our Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, as we rejoice in knowing that those who trust in Jesus have received spiritual sight, we must not forget that those who are lost are still suffering from the spiritual blindness of their unbelief. Not only that, but those who have been blinded by their unbelief will typically follow blind leaders of the blind. And as we make our way through the text before us today, we'll begin to see, first of all, that unbelievers are blinded by false teachers. Secondly, we'll consider how unbelievers have been blinded by political leaders. Thirdly and finally today, we'll learn that unbelievers have been blinded by social influencers. Well, with this as the outline, let's open our Bibles to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Here we find Paul. He's helping his audience to understand the spiritual blindness that's caused by unbelief. And as you make your way to the fifth chapter of 1 Thessalonians, I just want to take a moment to put our text back into its context. I'll remind you, it was in our study last week when we learned about the way that Christians ought to be comforted as we take the time to learn about the second coming of Christ Jesus, which includes the rapture of the church. Now here in our text today, we find Paul, he's helping his audience to understand that we should not only be comforted by this truth, but we should also be confident as we look forward to the day of the Lord. At the same time, though, it's also important for us to understand that the unbelievers around us are walking according to a spiritual blindness, and it's a blindness caused by unbelief. And with all this in mind, I want to pick up our study of First Thessalonians. We find ourselves here in chapter 5. If you would look with me there, beginning at verse 1. Here Paul declares, But concerning the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I should write to you. For you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. For when they say, peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman, and they shall not escape. But you, brethren, are not in darkness, so that this day should overtake you as a thief." Now here in these verses we find Paul, he's referring to the day of the Lord. And just to be clear, it'll help you to know that this phrase, the day of the Lord, it can be found in both the Old Testament as well as the new. For example, the prophet Jeremiah describes the day of the Lord as a day of vengeance. The prophet Joel also describes the, the day of the Lord as a day of darkness and gloominess, as clouds cause a thick darkness. The prophet Malachi, or Malachi if you're Italian, he refers to the day of the Lord as a great and dreadful day. And the apostle Peter describes the day of the Lord as the day when the heavens will pass away with a great noise and the elements will melt with fervent heat. We should also consider the way that the prophet Isaiah describes the day of the Lord is actually in Isaiah chapter 13. Here the prophet declares, Behold, the day of the Lord comes, cruel, with both wrath and fierce anger, to lay the land desolate, and he will destroy its sinners from it. For the stars of heaven and their constellations will not give their light. The sun will be darkened in its going forth, and the moon will not cause its light to shine. I will punish the world for its evil and the wicked for their iniquity. I will halt the arrogance of the proud and will lay low the haughtiness of the terrible. I will make a mortal more rare than fine gold and a man more than the golden wedge of ophir. Therefore, I will shake the heavens and the earth. I will move out of her place in the wrath of the Lord of hosts and in the day of his fierce anger. Now, as we consider this description of the day of the Lord, there should be no doubt that this day is going to be a terrible day. It's going to be a fearful day as the wrath of God is poured out on this planet. And as we consider Isaiah's description, there's no doubt in my mind that the day of the Lord is longer than a single day. The day of the Lord is not just a 24-hour period of time. No, instead, the day of the Lord appears to be a a period of time in which uh, which it encompasses uh, more than likely the entire time of tribulation. And proof of my point can be found in Revelation chapter 6. There we discover that the great day of God's wrath is beginning on this day when the sixth seal is being opened. And so, if nothing else, at least from that period of time until the end of the tribulation is the day of the Lord, if not the entire time of tribulation. But regardless of the specific time frame or duration of this day, it's interesting to note that Paul didn't feel the need to provide more details to the Christians there at the church in Thessalonica. As a matter of fact, if you would notice again here in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, I'm going to back up and begin reading at verse one. Here again, uh, Paul declares, but concerning the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I should write to you for you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. Now here in these verses, we find Paul again, he's assuring his audience that they did not need him to elaborate on the details regarding the day of the Lord. The reason why? Well, it's due to the fact that they already knew everything they needed to know about that day. Now, this is not to suggest that they knew all the details about the day of the Lord. This is not to suggest that they knew when the day of the Lord would begin. No, instead, Paul's simply assuring them that they already knew everything they needed to know about the times and the seasons that God the Father has put into his own authority. And we know that this is the case because this is exactly what Jesus told them on the day of, their, uh, of his ascension into heaven. As a matter of fact, it's in Acts chapter 1, verses 7 and 8. This is where we find the Lord Jesus on the day of his ascension. And he turns to his disciples and declares, it is not for you to know times or seasons. This is the, this is the same termino- terminology that Paul used. In First Thessalonians chapter 5, it's not for you to know times or seasons which the Father has placed in his own authority, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. When it comes to the times and the seasons of these end times events, the Father has decided to withhold certain details from the disciples of Christ. And one reason why is because believers have been called to accomplish the Great Commission by the power of the Holy Spirit. We haven't been called to count down the calendar days until the day of the Lord. And if we were given the day, that's exactly what we'd be doing. You know, we'd just be counting down the days. Well, here, You know, that's not what we're called to do. We're not called to watch the calendar, you know, so that we can somehow, you know, uh, you know be uh, ready to go on that day. No, no, no. We've been called to the Great Commission. We've been called to go out and preach the gospel so that unbelievers might be saved. Therefore, we don't need to know more details about the times and the seasons which the Father has put in his own authority. We don't need Paul to elaborate on these details. You see, according to Paul, the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. And this is not only something that Paul told us, but Peter also confirms this in his second epistle. As a matter of fact, it's in 2 Peter chapter 3, There the Apostle Peter assures us that the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. Therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness, looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be dissolved, being on fire, and the elements will melt. With fervent heat. Just like Paul, Peter wanted us to understand that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. And what this means is that you're not going to get any kind of alert before it takes place. I don't know if your home has ever been robbed, but if it has, then you'll recognize that the thief didn't call ahead. You didn't get a letter in the mail saying, Hey, I'm going I'm to be by your house this Friday at midnight. So just pretend like you're asleep, and I'll just steal from you, right? No, it doesn't happen that way. The thief doesn't announce themselves before arriving, and, and this is the comparison that that the, the day of the Lord is going to come like a thief in the night, unannounced. We're not going to receive an alert, you know, like the weather warnings that the city of Austin continues sending. We get it. There's rain coming. My knee told me last week. Thank you very much. Listen, the day of the Lord's wrath will come upon this world at a time when people are not expecting it. With that being the case, we can rejoice in knowing that those who trust in Jesus Christ, well, this day will not overtake us. And the reason why is because we're living in the light of the Lord. We're living in the light of the Lord, so this day is not going to overtake us. Sadly, this isn't true for the unbelievers that we love. The unbelievers that we love, well, they've been blinded by the spiritual darkness of their own unbelief. And to prove my point, let's make our way back here to First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 2. I want to focus again here where Paul declares, For you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. Now, that word night was translated from a Greek word which was used to describe the hours of darkness between sundown and and sunrise that's right we're talking about this darkness of nighttime uh, and and also you know kind of the darkness of Michael Knight uh, who was the night Rider but uh, that's that's another Bible study altogether the Greek word translated night here was used metaphorically in reference to the dark time for deeds of sin and shame yeah, so we're not talking about just nighttime, but, but we're talking about this time of darkness when people are engaging in shameful acts of sin. And in this sense, the word night was used to describe the blindness caused you know, by this spiritual darkness. As we consider the me- metaphorical meaning of this word, we would do well to realize that those who are walking in spiritual darkness are willfully suppressing the light of the truth. The light is available, but they're willfully suppressing the light of the truth. Why? Because men love darkness rather than light. Why? Because their deeds are evil. I like the way that Paul describes it in Romans chapter one. There he tells us that the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Because what may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it to them. those who willfully suppress the truth of God in their unrighteousness end up walking in the darkness of their own depravity. And much like our own sense of sight, which struggles to see when the lights are turned out, well, the darkness of depravity will render the unbeliever unable to see, spiritually speaking, because they love the darkness rather than the light. And listen, the spiritual blindness of the unbeliever it actually keeps them from believing in the second coming of Christ Jesus. That's why the unbeliever thinks the, the, the idea of Christ's second coming is just ridiculous. That's why Peter tells us that the scoffers will come in the last days scoffing at the idea of Christ's return. They can't see the, the rationale of this. And as a result, their spiritual blindness makes them more susceptible to false teachers. With this in mind, I can't help but to remember something that Jesus said. He presented a parable in Luke chapter six, it's verse thirty nine where he asks, Can the blind lead the blind? Will they not both fall into a ditch? He, he was speaking to blind spiritual leaders there in the first century, and he's asking, can, can you guys actually lead anybody? You're blind spiritual leaders, can you then lead the blind? Will you not both fall into the spiritual ditch? Listen, the unbelievers who become spiritual teachers are nothing more than blind leaders of the blind. And it's sad to say that the world is filled with spiritually blind leaders who are unable to see that they're actually leading spiritually blind unbelievers down a path towards destruction. Listen, this not only includes the teachers who promote world religions like Islam and Hinduism and Buddhism... But this also includes the pseudo-Christian cults like the Jehovah's Witnesses, uh, Mormons, Catholicism, Church of Christ. These groups that encourage you to believe in baptismal regeneration are blind leaders of the blind. I would also include the false teachers who continue to present their predictions of the rapture or Christ's second coming. You might not know this, but there's an ever-growing list of blind teachers who assure us that they somehow have received the spiritual insight which enables them to see when the church will be raptured or when Christ will come back. They assure us that they've figured out the times and the seasons that God the Father said he's not going to reveal to us. And they try to pretend like, well, that, you know, Jesus was talking to the, the Jews for the tribulation time. He's not talking to Christians, of course, you know, and then they try to present us with all their calculations for when the rapture is going to happen or when the second coming is going to take place. And they, you know, put together all their data and they try to show you the shemitas and all these, these additions and subtractions and carrying the one and all. And then the day comes and goes and nothing happens. And then they go, well, I, I, I forgot to carry the one. I, I forgot to subtract the YouTube is filled with these teachers. And it's sad that many Christians have been led astray by these false teachers. And yet at the same time, these false predictions that these people continue to make, well, it it gives the unbeliever who's spiritually blind just one more reason to reject the entire doctrine of the second coming of Jesus Christ. Listen, when unbelievers see all these false teachers continuing to predict the second coming of Christ and then it doesn't happen, it just lends credibility to their rejection of Jesus Christ. And in this way, false teachers are causing blind people to remain blind. for this reason that the apostle Peter warned the church about these false teachers who would come into the church and lead people astray. As a matter of fact, it's in 2 Peter chapter 2, there Peter declares there were also false prophets among the people even as there will be false teachers among you who will secretly bring in destructive heresies even denying the Lord who bought them and bring on themselves swift destruction and many will follow their destructive ways because of whom the way of truth will be blasphemed. Christian, listen, the world is filled with these false teachers. And not only that, but the church is filled with these false teachers who are leading people into the darkness of depravity. It's sad to say that those who are choosing to suppress the truth in their unrighteousness, well, they end up blindly following in the footsteps of those leaders who are headed down the broad road that leads to destruction. Knowing that it's even possible for the elect to be deceived, By the same false teachers, we would do well to make sure that we're walking in the light of the Lord, that we're walking according to the truth of his holy word, and that we would continue to look forward to the rapture of the church, that we would continue to look forward to the fulfillment of these prophecies, all the while recognizing that the unbelievers around us are blinded by unbelief. And this brings us to our second point, because listen, the unbelievers who are being blinded by false teachers uh, are typically those who are also being blinded by political leaders. And with this as the focus, let's continue to make our way through the text before us today. If you would, let's take another look here at 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. I want to back up once again and begin reading at verse 2, because here Paul declares, for you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night for when they say, peace and safety. Then sudden destruction comes upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman, and they shall not escape. Here in these verses, we find Paul, he's warning the Christians there in Thessalonica about the deception which will give way to destruction. And just to be clear here, Paul's referring to leaders who present wonderful promises about peace and safety. But rather than delivering on these promises of peace and safety, Uh, These leaders actually are leading people into a time of destruction. And with that being the case, we should take a moment to ask, well, who are these leaders? Who are these leaders that promise peace and safety while leading people towards destruction? Well, this most certainly includes the false teachers that I just referred to during the first point. False teachers certainly promise peace and safety. False teachers certainly promise everlasting heaven while leading people straight to hell. But the same can be said uh, for political leaders who love to assure the public that their policies will bring peace and safety. That's right. The world is filled with these political leaders who assure us that they, by their policies, will establish for us peace and safety. I'll give you one example. It was June 29th, 2021, when Biden presented his plan to build and maintain Peace and security here in our country. According to his plan, the U.S. would have more sustainable and more equitable outcomes, and less conflict, and longer lasting peace agreements. Well, here we are, it's two, two years later. Do we see more peace and safety? I'm sure we all realize by now that Biden's promise of peace and security has completely failed. For example, the rate of violent crimes has continued to increase here in our country since the day he took office. And according to the data, the murder rates in our major U.S. cities have soared to more than 10% over the last two years. It's huge. What's even more alarming is that this increasing number of homicides is occurring in Democrat-run cities where political leaders promise peace. How? Through the defunding of police departments the basic argument they presented was, well, it's the police that are really causing all the conflicts. And so let's just get rid of the police and all the conflicts will stop. And so they started defunding police departments. Well, what happened? Crime went up. Violent crime went up. Homicide went up. This is true, you know, of Portland, Atlanta, Seattle, Los Angeles, Philadelphia, Dallas, Minneapolis, Oakland, even Austin. Austin. The per capita murder rate of Austin, Texas is one of the highest in the country. Why? Well, because back in 2020, the politicians told us that defunding the police will bring peace and safety. There's also been a surge in shoplifting, which is causing many stores to now close. For example, the head of the Franchise Owners Association in Philadelphia tells us that at least 15 to 20 convenience stores have now closed because they can't find people to work in these places. Why? Because they keep getting robbed. Nobody wants to work at the convenience stores. Nobody wants to go work at 7-Eleven because these stores keep getting robbed. It was last month when the last two Walmarts in Portland, Oregon were closed due to the surge in retail theft, because they're losing, you know, they're they're losing their shirts, so to speak, even though they cut the prices on them. It was just two weeks ago when hundreds of teenagers gathered together and stormed the streets of downtown Chicago. They smashed car windows, set cars on fires, they attacked innocent bystanders, and with no political agenda to, to speak of, You know, several years ago, at least, you know, it was it was BLM, it was you know, Antifa. There there was there was slogans. There there was a a cause for those peaceful protests. This was just senseless violence. Are we seeing more peace and safety? Biden's political promise of peace and safety has failed to be fulfilled here in the U.S. And what's even worse is that his promise to maintain longer-lasting peace agreements with other nations, that too, well, has clearly failed. Whether we're talking about the return of the Taliban after Biden's botched withdrawal from Afghanistan or the pro-Palestinian policies that have allowed Iran to continue funding their proxy war there in Israel, the world is not presently experiencing a time of longer-lasting peace agreements. No, no. We are on the verge of World War III as conflict there in Ukraine continues to ramp up. We're closer to World War III today than than we've been since the Cuban Missile Crisis of 1962. And and this because of the policies of the guy who promised peace and security. And listen, it's not just Biden. I mean, I could just go down a list of presidents who have done similar things, but, but listen... We have to back out and even look at, at, a, at a greater global village aspect here because Biden's not the only one promising peace and safety today while simultaneously leading us down the path of destruction. You might not know this, but the UN's World Health Organization, the WHO, they're also promising to, to make the world a safer place. They, pl- they promised to do this through the implementation of their international pandemic treaty, which includes a long list of of health regulations that they want to subject the world to. As a matter of fact, the world health assembly is meeting in just a few weeks. And the reason why is because they want to discuss their global pandemic preparedness plan, which includes a global digital health certification network. And this global digital health certification network is going to require every person to receive any vaccine that they deem necessary. Oh, and you know, you know, Sudan rebels just took, control uh, of, of a biolab there in Sudan, and now they're telling us that you know, these, these so-called terrorists now have access to polio and all these other viruses, and they're, they're warning us about the next pandemic now, of course. So yeah, they're getting ready to implement this, uh, this, this va- vaccine mandate program, and their vaccine certificate will initially be on our phones with some sort of QR code, but it's eventually going to be implanted. Yeah, they're, they're preparing a biochip to implant to make sure that you receive the vaccine that they think that you need, you know, for peace and safety. This is the same exact plan being implemented by the political leaders who pledge their allegiance to the World Economic Forum. And there's, there's World Economic Forum leaders in every government uh, around the world. And just to be clear, the World Economic Forum, or the WEF, is led by a German engineer, Klaus Schwab. And it was back in 2020 when Schwab introduced his plan to build back better. He promised to rebuild the global economy by prioritizing sustainable development, whatever that means. And and while he assured us that his great reset initiative will create the conditions for global peace and safety, Schwab has also announced his plan to implement microchips in every single person. Don't take my word for it. It was seven years ago when he declared this, and I quote him. In the next 10 years, at first, we will implant them in our clothes, and then we could imagine that we will implant them in our brains or in our skin. He said that seven years ago for a 10-year plan. Yeah. Yeah, they want to microchip us. And as we consider Schwab's vision for the future, I can't help but to uh, think about John's vision of the future found in Revelation chapter 13. It's there where we learn that he causes all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark in their right hand or in their foreheads and that no one may buy or sell except one who has the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. Here is wisdom. Let him who has understanding calculate the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man. His number is 666. Christian, listen, there's coming a day when a global ruler is going to rise up and require every single person to worship him by receiving his mark in their right hand or in their forehead. Yeah, John was telling us about an implanted chip back in the first century. And according to John, this mark is going to be connected to a global economic system which is currently being put in place through the use of central bank digital currencies. They're even starting to drop ATM machines in various locations where when you put money in, they spit you back out a debit card because they're starting to collect cash. They're starting to get rid of it. They've already phased out the coins. Now they're starting to phase out the paper money. Because they want it all to go digital currency. This mark, which will include our vaccine certificate, it will include our identification, it will include our our, our, our banking, our financials, and it's gonna be required for those who want to take part in society. No thanks, Klaus. You can keep your chip. It's also interesting to note that this political leader who is known as the Antichrist will end up taking center stage on the political scene as he confirms and enforces a seven-year peace treaty. Yeah, he's going to promise peace and safety, you know, like they all do. He's going to confirm and enforce a seven-year peace treaty between the state of Israel and their enemies. So the rise of the Antichrist comes with the promise of peace and safety. And yet, within a matter of 30 months, sudden destruction will come upon them. Prior to that, sudden destruction will come upon the rest of the world as the wrath of God is poured out at the time of the sixth seal. This is precisely the point that the Lord Jesus was making in Luke chapter 16, When he says this, it's Luke uh, chapter 17, I should say. He says, as it was in the days of Noah, so it will also be in the days of the son of man. They ate, they drank, they married wives. They were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. Likewise, as it was also in the days of Lot, they ate, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they built. But on the day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Even so will it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. In other words, the world will continue with business as usual until the day when the wrath of God is finally being poured out upon this planet. And it's sad to say that there will be many who will miss the rapture of the church because of their unbelief And their unbelief was because they were trusting in political leaders who assure us that everything will be fine if we just vote for them. If we just vote for them, they'll bring the peace and the safety that we desire. Even right now, we have political leaders assuring us that the path of peace will be enjoyed by those who will work together to protect a woman's right to be promiscuous by allowing her to abort her unplanned pregnancies. That's the path of peace, right? The same progressive politicians are assuring us that the path of peace and safety is taken by those who will protect a child's right to choose to receive puberty blockers and so-called gender transition surgeries. Yeah, they think that's the path of peace and safety. These are the same politicians who assure us that we must have same-sex marriages in order to have peace and safety here in our nation. All the while, these political leaders who are leading us to their interpretation of peace and safety are actually leading the world to the day of destruction. And John tells us plainly in Revelation chapter 6 that the, that, that the day is coming, when he, uh, and he describes the vision here. He says, I looked when he opened the sixth seal, and behold, there was a great earthquake, and the sun became black as sackcloth of hair. And the moon became like blood and the stars of heaven fell to the earth as a fig tree drops its late figs when it is shaken by a mighty wind. Then the sky receded as a scroll when it has rolled up and every mountain and island was moved out of its place and the kings of the earth, the great men, the rich men, the commanders, the mighty men, every slave and every free man hid themselves in the caves and in the rocks of the mountains and said to the mountains and rocks, fall on us. And hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of his wrath has come, and who is able to stand? Can you imagine? Can you imagine this day crying out for the mountains to fall on top of you, looking at a huge building to just crumble down on top of you to, to hide you from a lamb? And yet there's a day coming when those who place their faith in progressive politicians will finally realize that the promise of peace and safety was nothing more than political deception. And while it's true that the Lord has already revealed how all of this is going to end, it's also true that the world is filled with blind unbelievers. Unbelievers who have been blinded by their decision to trust in political leaders rather than in the King of Kings. That being the case, we, do, we all do well to warn every blind unbeliever about the sudden destruction which will eventually come upon this world. And this brings us to our third and final point, because listen, people are not only being blinded by false teachers, and people are not only being blinded by political leaders, but listen, people are also being blinded by social influencers. And with this as the focus, I want to continue to consider the warning that Paul presents here in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. You would look with me again there at verse 4. Here Paul declares, But you, brethren, are not in darkness, so that this day should overtake you as a thief. Now here in this verse we find Paul, he's assuring the hearts of the believers there in Thessalonica. And as we consider this word of encouragement... Well, we can rejoice in knowing that the sudden destruction that Paul was describing back in verse 3, that sudden destruction that happens as the sixth seal is opened up, this sudden destruction will not impact those who have placed their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And the reason why is because the Lord has promised to spare us from the wrath that he's planning to pour out upon uh, upon this planet. And, And this was precisely the point that Paul presents right here in the same chapter. As a matter of fact... If you'll look ahead with me, let's skip forward a few verses. I want to focus your attention there at 1 Thessalonians 5. It's verse 9 where Paul declares that God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. God did not appoint us to wrath, Christian. Those who trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, we will escape the time of tribulation. And the reason why is because we are not appointed to wrath. No, instead, we are appointed to salvation by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's really good news. Now, I can already hear all of the post-tribulationist naysayers with the with the argument of, oh, so what you're saying is that God's going to allow all these Christians through all these years to suffer you know, persecution, but somehow he's going to uh, let us escape it all, right? Like they're mad about that or something. And even if that were the case, even if that were the argument, what are you mad about? Like, aren't you excited about that? But listen, it's a pitiful argument. And the reason I say this, it is because we're not talking about a time of persecution here. We're talking about the wrath of God. At no point in time throughout the church age has God poured the ra- his wrath out upon this planet. So, so they're, they're, they're making a mistake here by comparing the persecution from unbelievers with the wrath of God. Not the same thing. God's going to spare us from his wrath by rapturing us before the tribulation, praise the Lord. We'll consider more about this in our next study because we're gonna look at verse nine there in its context in more detail next week. I look forward to that study with you guys. For now, I wanna continue to consider the spiritual blindness of those who are rejecting the Lord Jesus. And if you would, look with me again there at verse four. Here Paul declares, but you, brethren, are not in darkness, so that this day should overtake you as a thief. Now, as we consider the point that Paul was making here, we must not fail to consider how this verse ought to be applied to unbelievers as well. For the believer, we are not in darkness. This day will not overtake us as a thief. For the unbeliever, they are in darkness, therefore, this day will overtake them like a thief. The day of the Lord will eventually overtake un- every unbeliever who is here at that period of time. And the reason why is because they chose to willfully suppress the conviction <clears throat> of the Holy Spirit. Remember, <clears throat> excuse me, the Holy Spirit was sent to convict the world of sin and judgment and righteousness to bring us to the place where we recognize our need for the Lord Jesus Christ so that we might turn to him and trust in him by faith. And those who suppress that conviction and reject the Lord Jesus Christ are choosing to live in spiritual darkness. And just to be clear, that word darkness, which is found there in the middle of verse 4, it's translated from a Greek word which was used in reference to the ignorance respecting divine things and human responsibilities. The same word was also used to describe the ungodliness and the immoralities of those who reject Jesus Christ. And while it's true that Christ Jesus is actively inviting every sinner to walk in his perfect light, it's also true that the unbeliever is choosing to live in darkness as they actively ignore the calling of Christ. This is precisely the point that Paul is making in Ephesians chapter 4. It's there where he declares, This I say therefore and testify in the Lord that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart. Who, being past feeling, have given themselves over to lewdness to work all uncleanness with greediness. Now, from this, we can see that those who are rejecting the Lord Jesus are walking in the futility of their fallen minds. And according to Paul, their understanding then is darkened. Why? Because of the blindness of their heart. And as they continue to walk in spiritual darkness, they then live a life that is hostile towards God as they give themselves over to all manner of wickedness, including sexual morality and covetousness. And not only that, but they also want to find themselves in social circles where these sins are then celebrated. So it's not just that they want to live in these wicked ways, but they want to live around other people who are living in this wicked way as well so that they can all celebrate these sins together. Proof of my point? It's found in 1 Peter chapter 4. It's there where Peter tells us that we have spent enough of our past lifetime in doing the will of the Gentiles when we walked in lewdness, lusts, drunkenness, revelries, drinking parties, and abominable idolatries. In regard to these, they think it strange that you do not run with them in the same flood of dissipation, speaking evil of you. Now, that, that word run, well, it speaks of just a ridiculous pastime that people engage in when they go out and, and make their feet go faster than they should, you know, but. But also, it speaks of a multitude that gathers together for the same purpose or goal. People that run together, you know, the, the, or, you know, taking it, you know, into the world of, of birds, you know, the, the birds of a feather that flock together, right? That's what we're talking about here. Peter's referring to those who run in the same flood of dissipation. In other words, he's referring to the groups that gather together in order to engage in their favorite wicked pastimes, which include lust and drunkenness, revelries and drinking parties. And according to Peter here, the Christian should stop running with these social circles. We are, we are called to stop running in these social circles you know, where blind people are headed in the wrong direction. We shouldn't be running along with them. And, and the reason why is because the believer who is running with unbelievers is going to be influenced by them. Don't take my word for it. Let's consider how Paul put it in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. It's verse 33 where he says, do not be deceived. Now, when you see do not be deceived in the Bible, it's because this is something that most people are deceived about. So do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits. If you don't believe that's true, you've been deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits, and the believer who continues to run in social circles of, of, of unrepentant unbelievers, they end up being influenced by those who are rejecting our Redeemer, and seeing how unrepentant unbelievers are willfully suppressing the, the light of the Lord in their lives, well then there should be no doubt that their influence will have a dark and negative effect on our lives. And if you think you can hang out in those circles and not be affected by it, you're deceived. Therefore, we would do well to surround ourselves with believers who will provide us with an influence unto righteousness, that they would provoke us unto righteousness, as Paul encourages us to do. Now, in order to further grasp my point, we should consider what Paul wrote in his letter to the church of Ephesus, And so if you would, let's turn our Bibles to Ephesians chapter 5, and as you make your way to the fifth chapter of Ephesians, I just want to take a moment to point out that the social influence of sinful people, it's something that can happen in these larger groups, these gatherings and whatnot. And yet at the same time, the social influence of sinful people can also happen in smaller groups or counseling sessions, even even a one-on-one with an unbelieving psychiatrist, you know, it's so in vogue for people to go see their psychiatrist now, you know, and, and it's sad to say that many Christians are going and receiving psychiatric evaluations and counseling from an unbeliever. What can Freud add to the Bible to make things better? What can a secular psychiatrist give you that's not already found in the word of God? If there are an unbeliever, then they're willfully suppressing the light of the Lord. How can they help you? At the same time, the social influence of sinful people can take place just in the privacy of our own homes, especially as we allow social media influencers to influence the way that we view the world. You might not know this, but most Americans today are being influenced by social media influencers. For example, 71% of consumer buying decisions were influenced by social media uh, users. And I'm sure that many of us have done it. More women do it than men. Matter of fact, 86% of women here in the US use social media for purchasing advice. And it kind of follows suit with the whole getting directions, right? You know, women have no problems, you know, getting directions. While men would rather just be lost, right? So we see more women engaging in the use of social media users for purchase, purchasing advice, and I do it. You know, I, you know, when I before I buy something, especially something that's fairly expensive, I'll go look and see what a bunch of other users have said about it. It's, it's helpful. Yet at the same time, it's important to understand that you know there's. There's a lot of influencing that's going on that, 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 that goes beyond whether I should buy that microwave or this toaster, right? There's nothing wrong with considering public opinions when it comes to these sorts of things, uh, purchasing a product. We must not fail to realize that more and more people are now allowing social media influencers to influence their decisions at, that include the direction of their lives, Case in point, let's consider a recent survey that helps us to see that young adults from the ages of 18 to 25 years old are twice as likely to take advice from social media influencers than they are to trust the judgment of uh, a friend or a family member. Not only that, but more and more tweens are now accessing social media sites where they're also being influenced by others. As a matter of fact, 50% of children 10 to 12 years old and 33% of children 7 to 9 years old are using social media apps and being influenced by the people on those apps, you know, the 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 people who are oftentimes grown men pretending to be kids. Yeah. You want your tween or teenager being influenced by grown people pretending to be kids, catfishing people. And yet it's happening every single day. What kind of influence are these people having on the minds of our children? There should be no doubt that our kids are being deceived by social influencers who are there to groom and gaslight and lead people astray. Is it any wonder why there's such a large increasing number of, of kids who are thinking that they're transgender now? Thinking that they're gender fluid now. Why? Well, because some social media influencer got into their minds when mom and dad weren't around. If you're raising children right now, I encourage you. If you give them the right to have their own phone, you better have your thumb on every single thing that's happening on that phone. You better have parental blocks and and a, a, a way to access all that information. You need to know what's happening. Because if you aren't the one influencing them, someone online is. And that's a dangerous business. With all this in mind, I want to consider the counsel that Paul presented here in Ephesians chapter 5. If you would look with me there, beginning at verse 6, here Paul declares, let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not be partakers with them, for you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, Righteousness and truth. Finding out what is acceptable to the Lord and have some fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness. Oh, wait, no, that's not what it said at all. Have no fellowship, zero fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of those things which are done by them in secret incredible it's shameful for us to even speak about the things that many of us pay money to watch on on, on a movie screen it is shameful for us to even speak about these things that people are celebrating in social media circles These people are engaging in the unfruitful works of darkness and we've been called to not be partakers with them but rather to expose them. Rather than allowing them to influence the way that we live our lives, Paul encouraged us to continue walking in the light of the Lord so that we are able to then expose the evil deeds that unbelievers are engaging in. And I get it, you know, a lot of people think I'm way too extreme, I'm way too critical, I'm way too, you know... Well, what do you think it means to expose the evil deeds of darkness? What does that look like? How should we go about that? How do we turn the light on and expose the darkness? It doesn't matter how friendly I am in doing it, people are going to hate it. And I can say it with a big plastic smile on my face, but they're still not going to like it. Why? Because they want me to celebrate with them. They want me to approve and applaud their sin. Yet that's not what the believer is called to do. We are called to have no fellowship with them, but rather expose them. Shine the light on their evil deeds, and so we should. And as we do, let's pray that they might receive the amazing grace of God by which the blind are able to see, spiritually speaking. As we wrap up this study, we can rejoice in knowing that the day of the Lord will not overtake the church. And the reason why is because the church will be raptured before the dreadful day of the Lord. Praise the Lord for that. And knowing that this day will come as a complete surprise to blind unbelievers, well, we need to help them to understand that their blindness is partially caused by the fact that they're following false teachers, they're following political leaders, and they're following social influencers who themselves are blind. And as we expose these blind teachers and politicians and social media influencers, I encourage you to remember that Christ has called every Christian to shine the light of the Lord here in this dark world. With this as our goal, let's make sure that we're walking in the light of the Lord according to the truth of his word. And as we continue to walk in the light of the Lord, let's let's pray that the Lord will help us and empower us to lead the lost into the light so that those who have been blinded by unbelief might finally receive the spiritual light of the Lord that enables us to see our Savior, Jesus. Let's pray.